Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. From the city that never sleeps, New York City. A space for all LGBTQ friends and allies to share experiences, opinions, and anecdotes. We talk politics, current events, food, and just about everything. Welcome to the LGBT Chat, hosted by Ida Ramirez. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the LGBT Chat Podcast. Joining us tonight is Angel and Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Hello, hey. hello. Hi. Hello. So shout out to Glenda, <laughs> the evil witch from, actually, she's in Newark. And um, I suspect she fell asleep. Um, so sweet dreams, sweet Glenda. She is really sweet. <laughs> I'm not holding it against her. It's late. I was telling you guys how, well, when I asked you, Lindsay, to come on, I didn't realize you're in the West Co- on the East Coast, West Coast. And <laughs> come West on. Coast, East West geography. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's do 9.30 your time. And I'm like, wait, I'm sleeping by 8. Like, you guys Dude, are behind. This is not going to work out. <laughs> and I had to work. <laughs> I called my, my girlfriend, I'm like, we're ahead, right? <laughs> She's like, Wait. yeah, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't call me that. But um, it, yeah, it's implied. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, so it's all good. Um, so Lindsay, we followed each other for, I think, like the past two years. I think I followed you, your suggestion yeah. or something. Um, hi, like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you come from? What do you do? Oh my gosh. Um, so where did I come from? Um, your mama. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I mean, that's usually how that works out. Um, although I'd like to think that the stork was still, still, still brought me. It's, it's, it's a, it's a nicer image, but, um, no, um, I grew up strangely enough in, I was born in, in Idaho. Um, yes, there are people that live there and, um, (laughs) I lived there for 12 years and then my dad got a, uh, job and we moved out to California to the central coast, um, which is absolutely beautiful. I was stoked that in January you can, wear a hoodie and there's no snow and it's beautiful and I live 15 minutes from the beach and Show yeah, off. went to high school here and then uh, went off to college in Long Beach and have <laughs> um, pretty much um, lived across the entire country all the way from North Carolina to Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. Have you, well, obviously you like where you are now, um, yeah. but did you take anything from the other places you lived in? So actually, funny enough, um, well, let's see. <laughs> I was in every state, basically running for myself, um, thinking mm-hmm. that if I went to that place, there would be something new, I could start all over and everything, but I was still there. And so I think all but one state was was a product of that. Everywhere else, um, 
was kind of an escape. So there are beautiful things about this 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 country, and um, I've been lucky enough to be able to experience and to live in a lot of different places. For you, thanks. Um, I, I'll tell you what I love about North Carolina: mm. the waffle. Besides house. the biscuits and gravy, <laughs> the waffle house, dude. <laughs> oh my gosh. So first time I had Waffle House in Raleigh. Um, oh, yep. It was there was one across the street from the hotel we were staying at, and I was just like, I digress a lot. Sorry. Oh, this is about you, Lindsay. World. Yeah, not uh-huh. about my food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be talking about food all night. Cool. But so recently you had um, a big anniversary. I did. And I was like, whoa, we're gonna talk about this. This is so cool. Congratulations, okay. by the way. Do you want to talk oh, about thank it? Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, seven years of being continuously clean and sober. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge deal. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's um it has not been it is honestly the hardest thing that I will and have ever done. And so knowing that puts a lot of other things in perspective. Um, if I can do that, then pretty much everything else I can handle. Um, and if I can get through hard things, even, um, like my ex, um, if I can get through that her sober, like I can pretty much do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I feel like that it's one of those things that touches everybody in one way or another. It really Um, does. Yeah. I know Angel, you've had like an ongoing situation at home. Um, <laughs> um, and I wasn't yeah, my, just referring to your brother. I, like, also, I know your grandmother. And yeah, um, the main one that I grew up around was my brother. But we, not that we didn't know, but almost like he was very private, and everything was like he's he didn't want to he didn't want to say anything or or to anyone, and he was just lived a very private life that we didn't really know too much about. So it's not that I can even sit here and say that I knew what exactly was going on through his head or what happened, and now we would never know. But yeah, it's it's definitely a big thing. And congratulations to you. Thank you. It, it, it's just, it's big. When you overcome something like that, it's, for one, it's very hard to overcome. And for two, it's just like life-changing. Like you really, like people don't really, I think people, take it very lightly like oh yeah she's mm-hmm. celebrating this that and the third but it's like no like they like they really got their life back like they you, they own it absolutely you own it and that's I think that is that's that's a really good way of putting it I think that um no one sets out to be an addict because if they knew what that involved they would never ever start in the first place and I think that there was a certain point um I started um I started using um hard drugs when I was living in Long Beach and I had a really, I had a really great life. I was with, um, I had a, a, a girlfriend. We worked for the same company. We were in different divisions and we were making a lot of money. We had an oceanfront apartment, new cars, you know, clothes, you know, money, just, um, kind of really an ideal kind of lifestyle for that. And we joked that, you know, our, I mean, we had a, uh, the third floor apartment and there were people in and out all day and it was kind of a running joke we never knew who was going to be asleep on our couch in the morning you know and um and it was fun for a while um it really was I met people that you know you never knew what was going to happen um but um eventually that's it's not sustainable no matter how no matter how uh how much money you have no matter how much fun you think you're having um 
And at some point, and I don't know when to pinpoint it, but at some point I stopped, it stopped being fun and it started being necessary and it started being my normal and my normal had changed from just being, you know, wanting to party and to have fun and to, to, you know, have fun with these people to absolutely needing it and not being able to function without it. And so my life revolved, absolutely revolved around getting, using, and thinking about the next time I was going to, how I was going to get it. That was all my life consisted of. When you hit that point that, that you knew that it, it became a necessity, did you have any kind of support or um, support system around you? Like uh, family or friends that were like, you know, like, hey, something's going on. Like anybody no. point anything out? Uh-uh. So the girlfriend that I had at the time was actually the one um, that was already already doing cocaine. Um, and she introduced me to it. Um, and I remember it uh, very vividly. The first time was um, we were going to a Less Than Jake concert in the House of Blues in Anaheim. And I had so much fun at that show. My gosh, I was, had energy. And, and I remember, but after I remember doing that first line, I remember thinking that I wanted to feel like that for the rest of my life and that I would do anything to feel that way. And so that's basically the premise that started me off on on everything. Um, my family didn't live in Long Beach. They didn't. Um, so, and all my siblings, um, I'm oldest of four and all of my siblings were elsewhere. Um, and nor did my family know what was going on. Um, like you said, Angel, like very isolated, very, there would be months when I didn't talk to my family, um, because I just isolated myself and I was, I wanted to care and I couldn't, it's not like I wanted to stop loving them or to stop you know talking to them but I just couldn't and so there was no support system it was just in a lot of enablers around me mm. and I guess that's the, the, the ideal um, situation or ideal scenario that you want to be in when you're trying to keep you know keep that kind of lifestyle like yeah. I'm sure you don't want to let people in yeah um, I think in in your case Angel I think and I don't know much but I think in your case your brother had also like mental um like maybe depression or other like he mental had health bipolar issues disorder. He had, yeah yeah mm-hmm. bipolar disorder and um that was something that he was battling since he was younger and um of course, you know, you have this disability, you're not met, you're, you know, at, at some point he was just like done with the medication. And so I think that's when the drugs started to come in and it was just almost like a relief for him. He was doing all these things out of like a relief. And, um, but of course that really doesn't mix well with mental instability, I guess you can say. Um, yeah. So it just, he kept on and kept on and kept on and I guess it got to him in in a in a way. So um so I think it's been almost it's been over a year since you lost your brother. Um yes January 15th. And I I remember meeting him a couple of mo- months prior to. Um mm-hmm. and I don't know why I want to share but I want to share. He was the most graceful person I had met I've met. <laughs> Um, and he was at one of Jen's comedy show and he sat like front seat. My oh. girlfriend's a stand-up comedian and <laughs> oh, cool. she's like, she's like, if you sit there, they're going to pick on you. Like, don't do it. And he sat next to his mama and, um, of course they picked on him. And I think one of the comics was like, so you're here with your girlfriend, your wife. <laughs> and he's like, no, that's my mom. 
but he had like this good gangster kind of like look but also like a sweet like young thing to him and I, I'll never forget like that smile like it's all cool you know um, yeah and those beautiful curls um, <laughs> um I mean I guess what's your takeaway Angel like if like do you feel like any I don't know I don't even know what to ask <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think I see where you're going with it. Like a yeah. takeaway meaning, some, like a learning experience from the whole. Yeah. I, yeah. I hate to put it that way because, you know. No, here, but, but I, that's that's kind of how I, I did some self-reflection after. And I'm like, wait, because so growing up, he was always, like I said, very private. And as you know, if this is someone who is a family member, this was my brother. For me, it would, the learning experience is always reach out. I feel like where I messed up or what I didn't do, which I could have did better, was reach out. I felt like, you know, if he was, you know, he was private and he chose that he didn't want to speak or tell us anything or he wanted to just keep to himself, I was like, okay, that's fine. And I would just see him here and there as opposed to calling him here and there like, hey, how's everything? What's going on? You know, maybe just being a little bit more open and talking to him a little bit more may have resulted in something maybe he would have felt a little bit more I don't know close um in with the family and not that he wasn't but just maybe he would have felt a little bit more like a place like a place here yeah I don't know I think we all we all think of like you know the shoulda coulda woulda right um, right and you know you shouldn't feel guilty if if you do I don't think you should Lindsay, is there anything that, like, do you, you have any um, advice or suggestions or any anything you can say to people, like, loved ones? Gosh, um, you know what, like, another key component to me and, and my story is that my family is devoutly Mormon. And so, um, obviously, drugs and alcohol are just obviously, like, right off the bat, you know from the time that you're a kid that those are not okay. And so I think that that I thought I was the exception. And so I thought that, um, that I could handle it. And I think that, um, I think that I was able to keep, um, myself private and keep my, that my addiction hidden for so long because my family didn't know what to do. And I think that they feared the worst and maybe that fear kept them from taking action sooner. It wasn't until, unfortunately, I overdosed in front of my family in Utah um, that they were like, this is bad. And, um, and I think that, I don't, I think that, like you, like you said, Angel, like there are a million things that you can, you know, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. It is no one's responsibility, but the person who is using to, to, to want to stop. And there is nothing that anybody can do to, to do that. Wanting to give someone a, an, an open door. And to let them know that no matter what, like, it's okay with you that, you know, to, to, that you won't judge or whatever. I think that you have the right idea of just being, you know, just checking in and being like, hey, you don't have to call me back, but I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know that I wouldn't. But knowing that someone was still there um, was really, really helpful. And understanding, like, for the families and the um, friends it is it's 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 hard to see one person i know right now has um um has their their mom still lets them live with them and use and knows they use in their house and i think one of the biggest um telling things about someone's character is what their response is when you tell them no 
and Mm. having boundaries and telling and having rules and having telling people no is what saved my life. My parents, once they found out and once everything kind of kind of came to light, um, I was allowed to come back home for a while and under, you know, no uncertain terms was I to use or to, to drink inside the house. I did anyway. And my parents, Lindsay, you know what what the consequences are. I had to move out after 72 hours. And um, by telling by them having boundaries and them telling me no is really what saved my life because they weren't enabling me. But it took them a really long time to do that. And it's really hard. Well, it must um, be hard. Exactly. If it's yeah. something that you love. Yeah, exactly. Like You're like, you don't want to like, have them sleep on the street or you don't want them to not have, you know, Christmas at home. Like that's a terrible thing to want to, you know, to do, but trust me, like it's necessary. It really, really is. You know, I know my parents, I know my siblings have a lot of, still have a lot of guilt, you know, if they, if they could have seen the signs earlier or whatever, but knowing there's nothing that you can do to stop an addict other than themselves. And unfortunately, you know, there's very little, and Knowing that, but also being available is pretty much, you just have to accept that it is not your responsibility, but it is your responsibility to just love them unconditionally. My first um, girlfriend had been five year uh, clean when I, when Mm -hmm. we first started dating and uh, relapsed a year Mm -hmm. and a half later um, to heroin. And I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I mean, like, I don't smoke pot, you know, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know anything. So, like, okay. it was just like, okay, what is this? Right. Um, and I found her um, stabbing herself, like, trying to find a vein in my oh, bathroom. Wow. Um, and it was one of those, like, I-, I can't put it into words, but I basically, like, had to help her, um, like, wrap her arm so that she can mm-hmm. find a vein. Um, she got help. She She went to rehab. But I remember like those first, that first week, that first month after rehab, how my entire day and all my thoughts were, what are you doing? Where are you? Every 10 minutes, are you okay? Um, It was like the craziest, like two months of my life going into like NA meetings. Um, Is it NA? Um, Like family of narcotic? Yeah. Oh, they have Al-Anon for... Yeah, Al-Anon is for family, and then they have, of course, AA and NA, yeah. Um, they basically have a group for everything, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it was insane, like, seeing all these other people going through the same, like, thoughts, like, the oh, same yeah. feelings that I was going. I was like, oh, my God, you, so you understand. And, and like, mm-hmm. that sense of um, being able to, like, resonate the same feelings or um, relate to other people, it, it kind of helped, but it also, like, just made my fears just like heightened like times a hundred because it could just be so much more like intense or worse um but for you like when did you decide that that was enough (laughs) it's funny it it wasn't anything that you would think it would it would be um it wasn't overdosing in front of my family it wasn't going to rehab um in michigan um that's one of the states i lived in it (laughs) it was in battle creek and um which is where the post and the kellogg companies are so it smelled like raisin bran in the morning Every morning. Which is funny because it was the only thing that my ex could keep down. (laughs) (laughs) It was Race and Fran. It was Race and Fran. Yeah. Uh, That's that's great. Um, 
but so it wasn't, it wasn't going to rehab. It wasn't coming back. It wasn't relapsing. It wasn't, um, getting arrested. It wasn't, um, getting two felonies. It wasn't going to jail. It wasn't going to sober living. It wasn't relapsing again and again and again. Um, my moment was really odd. It was about a year plus into sober living. And, um, I had, if anybody's in uh, California or the West Coast, you've heard of Bakersfield, which is pretty much the armpit of California. And that entire area, county, should just drop off the face of the earth and probably just drop into hell because it's awful. It's just awful. And um, so I ended up, I, I ended up there and um, in sober living and miserable. Um, and I had convinced, <laughs> still manipulating. Um, I had convinced a girl that we could, sure, we could date. I'm in sober living, but we can tour, I can totally drink. It's totally fine. And so I carried on for about three or four months and I had a routine and I, you know, no one detected anything. Well, there was a, down the street from one of the sober living houses, there was a liquor store. It was just, I mean, less than a block. And, you know, we used to walk there all the time. And for whatever reason, I had my last drink at this really really seedy casino on union boulevard in bakersfield this is where you go if you anything unsavory from prostitution to you know um to drugs to whatever you want it's it's over there and um so i had my last drink there i show up drunk and i'm in the passenger seat of this girl's car and who pulls up next to me but my sober living director she'd literally driven the girls like it would take longer to drive than it would to walk. And for some reason, she had chosen that moment to pull up with three girls in her car right next to me. She took one look at me and she's like, get in the car. It's like, okay. And she's like, she just took everything from me. My, my phone, my wallet, all my stuff. And she's like, you're on blackout. And basically, I couldn't go anywhere. Um, that was February 12th of 2013. And so that was the last day that I have ever had a drop of alcohol or a line or a, anything that I wasn't supposed to um, in my system. And I have no idea, other than really an act of God, what made her drive three women down to get cigarettes in a <laughs> car, you know, when it would take a, a shorter amount of time to walk and why it should have at that exact moment. I mean, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't plan that. It wasn't me. And that was the last time. Life has a weird way of. Yes. Doesn't it? You yeah. Right. You think that all the normal things. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is like, oh my gosh, you lost your job. I've done that. You lost your car. Did that. You got into a car accident that you know all these things that you would think would be enough to change are not sometimes they are um and sometimes they're not and everybody's bottom so to speak is different everybody needs something different some people um and it's completely individual some people have what they call low bottoms where maybe it's just your husband telling you that they're gonna leave you if you keep drinking and that's all you need um some people it takes overdosing you know a dozen times before you finally get it through your head and some people never get it but it is a very individual thing and there's nothing you can do to force that on somebody to hit bottom um i'm not sure how i how much i believe in 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 making someone hit bottom but i definitely believe that there are um there's a lot of no's that are involved in that not that it's anything like it but when I quit <laughs> smoking um, <laughs> cigarettes, because I smoked for like 12 years, 13 years. That's a hard, dude, that's, that, that's a hard habit to, 
man, yeah, I have a lot of respect for that because that is they're everywhere, you know, and they're completely legal to buy, and yeah. you know. And I had I I needed a surgery, and the doctor, my cardiologist, was like, "Do you want to die sooner?" <laughs> I was like, "No." <laughs> no. He's like, "Then you need to quit smoking." I was like, wow. "Okay." <laughs> and that, and that was, was that was it. That was all you needed, and then but that was hard too, right? I mean, you know, the the routine, the ritual, the kind of learning new habits and new ways of behaving. You know, where you would have typically yeah. taken out a cigarette, now you've got to do something else, right? But I think I was just more like a recreational smoker. I just thought mm. it was cool. Like I had some okay. of my best conversations outside, like uh, yeah. outside a bar smoking. Totally. Um, it was like, yeah, it was my thing to look forward to. Like at the end of work, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have my glass of wine and my cigarette. I'm going to watch TV totally. and I'm going to um, It wasn't <laughs> like I smoked two packs a week, but it was something I did <laughs> for like, you know, 12 years. And yeah, so yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting, um, the things that make you... If is there um, anything that you like to add? Any advice, tips, resources, like in your local area? So I I cannot stress how much connection is imperative to recovery. If you want to Google Rat City, um, they did a famous experiment in the seventies. Synopsis: They put a rat by itself in a cage with two bottles, one filled with water, one filled with water and cocaine. And the rat eventually overdosed on the cocaine because there were no other, no other rats. Then they built a rat city with like all kinds of stimulus and toys and, and other rats to play with and, and things like that. And they still had the water bottles, one with water and cocaine and one was just water. And they found that the recovery and the, the propensity of the rats to drink the water with cocaine was so much less because they had other rats to play with they had things to do and so getting connected no matter how socially anxious you are no matter how scary it is no matter what you think you are not alone you are so far from alone it's not even funny and I think that your local AA or NA meeting or whatever you choose to go to yeah it might be boring to me it's not the most exciting thing in the world a lot of times but it's the connections. It's the connections that you build when you're feeling a certain way, you have someone to reach out to. And, you know, just like, you know, like Angel, like your brother, you know, isolating and, and things like that. That's it. That's, that's a, that's a sure sign that, that things aren't going well. And I, when I find myself isolating, I know I need to reach out and knowing that I have people to reach out to is absolutely critical to everything. And now I think also my family listening to me, asking questions that aren't just, well, why don't you just stop or anything, but actually trying to understand the addiction um, and the complete, <laughs> complete irrationality of it is, is, is really important. And if you don't have that, you know, like your family is, is, is anybody that loves you, anybody that like cares about you. And so you know, there, there are a ton of us that don't have blood family, but it doesn't matter, you know? And I think that's one of the pluses of social media is as many cons as we talk about social media can bring people like, look at this. I mean, you know, we're, we're having this conversation because of that and we've all connected. And now I know two more people and part of your stories. And that is an amazing thing. And, um, it, it's not hard to find, and especially people that are willing to talk and willing to, um, just 
you know, check in on you. Hey, are you okay today? You know, it, sometimes that's all you need. And so I would, I would encourage anybody to go to 12 step meetings. I think it's basically how to be a good human um, rather than anything else. And I think also if fortunate to have a, a, an LGBTQ center, they also inevitably have resources for addiction because the rate of, um, I believe it's about, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's significantly higher than regular population. Especially um, for women. Especially for women. And and a feeling of, of, of being unseen or, or, or feeling not heard. And I, I totally get all of those feelings and especially coupled with mental illness and the prevalence of that. I mean, it's just a recipe for for self-medication and we have this urge to escape at any cost and we don't often realize what we're doing until it's too late and so if you if you even think you have a problem reach out to me reach out to you know and I'm sure there are a million people who would love to to help you I have this (laughs) short story this old guy total totally grandpa guy in like Arizona every single day like he would never, he might even think I'm a boy. I'm not quite sure yet, but, um, (laughs) he like every single day, he's just like, it is a great day. And he just has the most positive energy. And like, I would never probably talk to this guy, but yet like, it doesn't matter because we have recovery in common and that's all that counts. And when we think about how much more alike we are than we are different, we realize like, Hey, I feel like that too. And it's not hard when you find the right people, it might take a few minutes, you know, it might take a while, but be patient because everything's going to be okay. I like that. Everything will be okay. Uh, storms never last forever. No. Um, uh-uh. Grandma used to have a saying that everything has a solution. Like, don't stress it. She's like, even when you die, you get buried. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. There is a solution to every problem. And it's not always like, you know, obviously like a, you know, super apparent, but it's, it's there, you know? It's, it, it is there. And there are so many people that are willing to help. I think more than we often see, we, there's so much negative. And, um, but if you just look for the positive, just even a little bit, you know, I think you'll find it pretty, pretty easily. Thank you, Lindsay. So I saw some pictures on your Insta of okay. a bunch of notebooks, like a dozen notebooks. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a secret project? What are you working on? Can you um, talk about it? So, yeah, um, funny. Those notebooks are, that's what I did when I was using. Um, I would stay up for, so my drug of choice was meth, and um, which turned into Ritalin because it's just, all it is is meth in a bottle. And um, doctors are just dealers with white coats. And um, so I'd stay up for days. I knew a guy that stayed up for a month. Um, I don't have anywhere near that. Um, wow. I think maybe six days is about my record but I would write I would just write and write and write and I filled up notebooks and I ran out of so many pens and everything is that's what I did when I was using so I'd write all day all night I felt it it seems so ironic now but I thought that if I stopped writing I would miss out on something meanwhile I was missing out on everything when I was doing that and so those notebooks I've I haven't read through them um but I have been it's finally time to write my book um, I've had so many people tell me that I need to get it written down. And so I've started. And so I, that's why I reached out um, and I put a picture of them because I want people to keep me accountable. And there's a couple of people that, that message me every single day. Did you write? Did you write? And it's so heartening that, that, that people want to hear my story. It's really, really humbling. And the, all I want to do is make sure that someone can, it resonates with someone that no matter what 
they know that they're not alone. And when that book becomes a bestseller on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the Daily News, we'll be we'll able have to you back have on the show. On be like, yes. <laughs> we had her on first. <laughs> it all started. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of resources. I looked up some info. There's something called SAMHSA, and it's for uh, youth youth with addiction. And I think it also helps. There's a link for children who have parents um, who are mm. um, addicts. And it's a government website. Oh, cool. um, yeah, I know in New York City, our um, LGBTQ uh, center has um, a lot of resources and they have mm-hmm. they host meetings weekly. Oh, um, yeah. So I'll post links and information there, um, as well as like for national like there's uh, oh there we go yeah exactly yeah (laughs) the the government will help you find a place in your local area um that can help hopefully that's one of the few things they're doing okay (laughs) you know yeah Um, also if i could add them um i'm also gonna send links because i took these two trainings for mental health it's in regards to mental health but i also feel like they could kind of correlate with one another oh, um, and they train you on youth mental health and adult mental health how I to deal that. with it how to how to intervene and how to get yourself involved before something takes a turn for the worse that so I'm awesome. gonna give you the links to that I took them and I love that's that's so proactive that is that is really commendable Angel that's so cool yes thank you mm-hmm. thank you so for the quote of the night Lindsay's gonna share with us once something that I like that she posted go ahead Lindsay We all have scars. Some are visible, some are hidden below our skin, and they all have a story to go along with them. I think those stories are important because they remind us where we've been and how we've healed. I was hit by a driver who ran a red light early one morning on my way to work in Long Beach. His big SUV slammed into my compact car so hard that it pushed me all the way to the other side of the intersection facing the opposite way. I was knocked unconscious, waking up to glass shards all over me, warm and wet. It was my tea that had exploded all over me, thank goodness. And I remember this heavy, eerie quiet. I was taken to the hospital and had stitches in the gash of my head. Several people told me they were surprised I was alive. Feel, deal, heal. I have that on a print hanging on my wall. Simple, but easier said than done. Whatever wounds you have, physical or invisible, let them heal. Let nature take its course and do whatever is necessary to ensure you heal, even if it's uncomfortable. It will be, but letting wounds become scars will only make us stronger. Uh, that was awesome. Thanks. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank, thank you. you for, thank you so much for taking time. It's all good. I've um, needed this today. There's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. I, um, I've totaled grateful. five cars in my life, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're none uh, of them by fall, I swear. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good to know. We'll make sure we stay clear of Lindsay whenever we drive together. Right, hey. <laughs> Angel, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, yeah. Angel's our um, new permanent um, co-host. Um, Angel, you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> he has this thing about him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I could be in a bad mood when we first start talking. And then, like, as soon as I see his face, I'm just like, hey. I know. You just have, like, that happy, like, hi. I just, I know. I just kind of, like, want to give you a hug. Like, totally. Just, like, instantly, like. Virtual hugs yeah, your way. totally. Uh-huh. Until next time, everybody. Thank you again. Happy trails, everybody. Bye. 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 You just listened to the LGBT Chat Podcast with your host, Ida. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Podcast. Catch a new episode every Saturday. 
Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.